Welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we invite you to enjoy this message from God's Word. And, uh, and it's uh, very grateful I had a day to spend in, the, in my beloved ocean. <laughs> Uh, you know, we've been praying that the Lord would uh, come, and if you're new here, we believe that the presence of God, the very real experience of God can still be touched and tasted, and it can still visit us. Like, if you've ever read the Bible, you've read some pretty phenomenal stories. I mean, there are things in there that you go, is this just a book of myths and tales, or you know, is it really, did this stuff really happen? And so we've been praying and we, we want to be a people of the presence of God. A people that we study the scripture and we come to know it well. And, and we're discipled by one another and by the spirit. But also that we experience his presence in our relationships in our church. And, and so as we've been praying, we have a member, Claire. I wanted Claire to come up and share her testimony this morning. Uh, Claire, how long have you been a member of this church? 18 years. 18 years. Uh, thank you so much for your faithfulness. But God did something recently in your life. Well, um, October 5th, Friday night, uh, my sister and I drove over to Florence to go to a volleyball game. And in walking up into the bleachers, I hit my left ankle really badly. It's like hitting your funny bone 200 times. And I just immediately sat down because I thought, I'm either going to faint or throw up. (laughs) But I don't want to make a scene. I don't ever want to make a scene. So I got over to the seat where our family was. And um, my uh, niece had uh, Tylenol with her, so I took some of that. Well, the next morning, my foot was swelling up and uh, turning black and blue. And uh, But I'm not going to go to the hospital or anything like that. I'll tough it out. And um, it didn't hurt. I could walk on it, so it didn't hurt. So I got through and uh, went to work all that next week. My foot was swollen. Come home, I put my foot up. And then by Friday, it was starting to uh, go down. The swelling was almost all gone. So I said, okay, I made it through. Well, Saturday, I woke up, and my foot was like swollen like a pillow. And the toes were like just at the ends. And I said, oh, no, now something really is serious with this. But I'm not going to do anything about it yet. (laughs) (laughs) So October 13th, Sunday, Tim preached on healing. So I'm saying in my mind, Lord, if you want my foot healed, you'll have Tim say somebody needs healing on their left ankle. Tim didn't say that. No pressure. (laughs) I said, okay, all right, God, all right, I'm on my own, all right. (laughs) So I I prayed, and um, then after the service, my friend Joan Dorman was out in the lobby, and I said, oh, my foot is really getting bad. So she prayed uh, with another friend, Patty Huff, and so I thought, okay, you know, good. I get home, my foot is still swollen, have it up on the coffee table, I'm amazed by what the body does, you know, like, (laughs) and all of a sudden, Patty texts me, and she says, in the second service, Tim said, someone is having problems with their left foot or ankle, and they need prayer. (laughs) 
And I said, I'm claiming it. I texted it back. I said, I'm claiming it. And I reminded God of the story of the centurion who had the sick servant. And he's told Jesus he didn't have to go to him. And I said, I didn't have to be in that service, but I'm claiming that prayer. And by Sunday night, my foot was completely normal. Amen. Yeah. Late again. <laughs> Trying, God. <laughs> wow. There's a, I, I think it, well, it's tragic, but it's also kind of funny to me, but that's the way I read the Bible at times. Um, in, in Exodus 33, one of the many times God's dealing with Israel and, you know, the Ten Commandments are being given by God and being given to Moses and he comes down and he hears this party going on and, uh, you know, if you've read it, you should, you ever read, you ever read it? Just, you know, it anyway, it's good. Exodus 33, and so, you know, Moses just can't believe it. He gets angry. He smashes the Ten Commandments down because the people are just going crazy, forgotten all about God and partying and just having a time. And so they get back. Things get kind of rough. But then it gets back in line. And Moses is having this conversation with God. And God says, you know, I'm going to get you to the promised land. You're going to make it there. But then he says this. He says, but I'm not going with you. Uh, to me, I just started laughing when I read that, you know, because uh, he's like, yeah, I'm going to get you there. I'm even going to send some angels to help you, but I'm not going. And Moses, the man that he is, says this. He says, if your presence does not go with us, then do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people Unless you go with us. What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? You know, a good place is not a great place without the presence of God. It can be good. You can get to the promised land. But if God isn't there and his presence isn't there with you, Moses says, we don't want to go. We don't want to go without his presence. And, um, you know, a good church can be a good church but if we don't experience the presence of God then we're not getting the best of what God has for us a good small group is can be a good small group but it's a great place when the presence of God is there and I know when we talk about this and we're in this series on the prayer that we use a lot in the vineyard which is come Holy Spirit I know the Spirit is always with us those of us who are followers of Christ we have surrendered our life to Christ. He has come to live within us and he will abide there and be with us. But there is, dear friends, a very special thing when God reveals himself in a different measure in our midst. And it's all through the Bible. It's through the New Testament as well as the Old Testament. The book of Acts is filled with those moments in time where God made his presence very well known. And so our prayer through this series has been, Lord, make us a people of your presence. Not just intellectually, uh, not just to acknowledge that, but in experience. Let us experience your presence and through healing and, and through your, knowing you're here and forgiveness. And I'll tell you, this, this past week or the last four weeks, I'll, I'll just, you know, to be honest with you, it's been a blur to me. 
I've had four weddings and a funeral in four weeks. And, uh, and, and through all of this, it's, it's just, you know, and with dad too, with all of this, but the one abiding thing, honestly, that keeps pulling me kind of back in all of that has been, Lord, I do know what it, I do know, I do know what it is to sense your presence. In the midst of maybe a shaking, in the midst of questions in your life of, I don't know what's happening here. I don't know what this is going to look like, you know, when everything pans out. You know that feeling? And if you know that, you know, there's things up in the air. And, and, but that centered kind of gyroscope in the center of being, of the presence of God that goes, you know, this is the kind of the voice I hear. Tim, really? How long have we been together? <laughs> it's like, okay. Got it. Okay. And then, you know, this presence can settle in. But it's not always there. We have to, we ask for it. We want it. We say, Lord, please give us your presence. We want to sense your peace. And that's a part of his presence is when we sense peace in the midst of chaos and in the midst of loss, in the midst of questions and all. And so this has been a, a kind of a call to submission to God for us as a church to ask the Lord to come again and reacquaint us with his beautiful presence uh, through this fall and into Thanksgiving. And so let's pray this morning. And uh, we want to talk about when, the, when we gather together, what difference does it make if we get together or not? And does that have anything to do with the presence of God being manifested? So Lord, today, thank you for the beautiful testimony, for touching Claire's foot and and lord we pray for those in our midst even right now god during this service the, the next few minutes that you would sovereignly move through this building and that you would touch people's physical being and as well as their hearts and i pray lord if there is anyone here who does not know the beauty of your forgiveness of your acceptance and your purpose in their life that today they would acknowledge that and surrender their lives and their hearts to you, Lord, and embrace you as their Lord and Savior. So come, Lord, be with us today and help me in my weakness. Give me the gift of teaching over the next few minutes, Lord. Settle in here and come as you will, Lord, and build up your church in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you got a handout. You flip it over, like always here. But There's the three fill-ins on the back. And uh, the first thing I want to point out is this. This is from Acts 1, 4 through 5. That is, there is something special about being together. I know that I'm, you know, I astound you with my, I put the cookies on a really low shelf sometimes, you know, but, but that's where, that's just who I am. That's where I am. I can understand it that way. So that's why I put it there. But there is something very special about being together. In Acts 1, 4 through 5, it says, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, talking about the Holy Spirit, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. One of the, one of the ways to read scripture and probably open it up for you a little bit is ask questions about the context. Like he could have said to this group, I want each of you to go to your private space. I want each of you to go off somewhere by yourselves. And I want you to get alone. And I want you to wait. I'm sorry I'm being sarcastic. I'm not meaning to be. But I'm saying he could. Because he went off. There are times when we need to get off by ourselves. Right? But at this moment in this time for the Holy Spirit to come and drop in and change everything. The way that he was going to do it. 
He told them to go together to Jerusalem. As you keep reading that first chapter of Acts and you get to the end of it, you'll see the 120 or so, probably not an exact number, but there's 120 or so people, men and women. The disciples are all together in that room. Now, I find it fascinating that God would drop the Holy Spirit in on the church in such a way that he wants the church to gather, that first gathering of the church, so that he can give the down payment, which is what the Holy Spirit is, that promissory note of the kingdom to come one day in fullness. He drops it in a group. There's something special about the church, about us being together. that doesn't happen when we're alone. Why didn't he tell each of them to go? Why didn't he send them out individually to wait for the Holy Spirit? Why did Jesus choose a team? I mean, Jesus could have been this itinerant preacher, right? He could have been this lonely person out preaching the kingdom by himself. But the first thing he does when he comes on the scene is he grabs a group of people around him. And he takes them with him. It's the way that God works. He does it in groups. New Testament, all but just a couple or maybe three, four chapter uh, books, you know, written to groups. That's the way. There's something special about being together. I've had some major moments in my life praying right by myself. I still do. Uh, but I've had some really huge moments when I've been with people and experienced. I mean, uh, some of you have heard my story of being filled with the Holy Spirit, how I was with a group. And they wanted to pray for me. And I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm really kind of an introvert guy. Really am. It was the message of Jesus that got me into this, Lord. Because <laughs> I'm a lot more comfortable kind of standing back and serving back in the back and doing something. And, and But it was the message of Jesus that compelled me and gripped my heart and pushed me out and, and all. And you know, there's some major moments in my life where I've been alone, where I've been comfortable by, and God has he filled me with his Holy Spirit when I had a group that wanted to pray for me, which would have been awesome. You know, I freaked out. I didn't want to be the center of attention. I didn't want them praying for me. I, you know, you know. So I went home, and God, God honored that. God honored that. It didn't put him off. He bombed me, you know, boom, like that. I said, okay, Lord, do it. You know, here by myself. Nobody's going to believe me. It's okay. I don't care. Do it. You know, and he did. And I think God honors that. And so I want to say this to all of you wonderful fellow introverts. All of you that are extroverts, can you make all of us welcome? Give us just a little space. You know, give us just a little space. I mean, we're thinking too, and we're, we love Jesus, and, and we want to be a part and all. We may not move as quick to take hold of things, and we may not speak up as quick as other people do, but we want to be a part of the group. We, we, want, to, we want to be in there. And so, you know, all of you XTs that are, whoo, you know, uh, just kind of let us move along too with you. And God honors that. And God will meet you on your own. All, but I'm telling you, dear friend, in a group, praying together, seeking God together, is something very special. There is a dynamic that God, God, it, it works, it just works differently. 
And I know there may be there's psychological reasons for that, but there's spiritual reasons for that. From the very beginning, God worked in groups, and He's always worked like that. And um, you know, I've seen I've seen some shy people turn into like crazy people. You know, as they were in groups, and I mean that in a great way. Like you know, I've been a pastor a long time. I've been a youth pastor, a worship pastor, you know, associate pastor, senior pastor, the whole thing for the last forty some years, and. And I have watched quiet, some of my fondest memories are watching quiet kids. I watched, I watched some kids one night in the vestibule of a church who were so quiet suddenly turn into ravenous evangelists. I mean, it was the most amazing thing. And they, they were all together. One guy was preaching to the door at the church. I mean, I'm sitting there watching him. He's going, I'm telling you in the name of Jesus. <laughs> you know, it's a door. I mean, right before that, he was like... And then the Holy Spirit, and this is a Baptist church too. And, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit. Everybody's been a Baptist once. And, uh, I mean, you know, it dropped in on him. I love the Baptist. Thank you. Okay. And then, I mean, then we t- I just wrapped them up, put them in my car, and put them out on the boulevard and cut them loose. And they were preaching to everybody and just walking. But it came out of the group. They didn't come out of one person. It came out of the dynamic of the group, praying for one another, expecting things. Just in the last two weeks, through all of that's been going on in my life, I have watched I could, at least three people, because of dynamics going on, three people start asking about Jesus out of nowhere. I mean, I watched this in my family. And I watched in the midst of us watching my dad die, you know. I watched God move and then begin to stir people in the midst of us being together because there is something very special about being gathered together and the love that's poured out when you're together. There's a power in that. Jesus knows that, and that's why he called disciples around himself. That's why he said, you guys stay in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes. We need to be together in our small groups here on Sundays and in Matthew 18, 20, uh, a lot of times we quote this, wherever two or, or more are gathered in my name, there I am with you, right? So wherever two or more, Matthew 18, 20, this context of this indeed, for those of you who read your scripture, is in the context of church discipline. It's dealing with someone in the church who needs to be confronted about something. And, and Jesus is saying to the leaders like, hey, I'll be with you. I've got, you've got my backing when you have to deal with this. But, but that's still a statement of truth in every way. And that is that wherever two or more of us are gathered, indeed, I will be there with you. Was he there with us before two or more? Yeah, but now why, why, what's the difference? There is something different with two or more of us when we're together. And so it's very special. And it seems like the Lord does, does some things when we're together that he doesn't do when we're alone. It's the way he works. In Hebrews 10, 24 through 25, it says, And let us consider how we may spur, I like that, spur one another on toward love and good deeds. I think of hitting the horse, you know, spur. Let's go to good deeds. And uh, like Kate was doing a while ago to us. We may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some have. And some have given up. And the writer of Hebrews says, you know, don't give up. Don't give up on getting together. Don't do it. We have to spur one another on. We need to be together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. What's he talking about? 
Jesus returning, right? Because they expected him to come back at any moment. So they're like, as it approaches, as it gets closer, let's encourage one another more and more to do good deeds, to be out there, to be serving people so people can see that Jesus has come and he's affecting us. He's had a, you know, it's changed us. Keep doing it as you see the day. And I've told you there are no, there are no uh, just ordinary meals when we get together. And I do believe that. Uh, I sat down with two meals this past week with people that are looking for God. And uh, when I was sitting there at the meal, I realized we were having communion. You know, we were eating fried chicken, but um, <laughs> I think that's what Jesus would have been doing too if he was there. And, um, you know, it, but it was a communion. It was a time of going, this is his body we're talking about. This is, this is special. You know, we're two or more gather. We're gathered in your name, Lord. We want to know. We want to know about your reality. We're asking for you to come. Something special is happening here as we share this meal. I believe that you're here with us, Lord. And so we expect something, you know. I think it's good. Don't give up expecting God to step into that place that you're with the other people with. Don't give that up. Expect it. Hope for it. Secondly, there's something special about agreeing together. Agreeing together. First, there's something special about being together. Secondly, there's something special about agreeing together. Matthew 18, 19, same section of Scripture. Jesus said again, Truly I tell you that if two of you on earth, what? Agree on anything they ask for, it will be done for them by the Father in heaven. And again, this is in the context of discipline and church and all this, but this thing, if God is doing something, and we sense that this is the direction God is going. There is something very special about us saying, let's agree on this. And saying it, to, you know, to the Lord. Uh, this is the same section of scripture where the 99 and the 1. You know what I'm talking about? One sheep has kind of gone astray. And Jesus talks about leaving the 99 that are in pasture. And then Jesus goes after the 1. How wonderful for us to be able to agree of Jesus is going to reach that one that is strayed out of the sheep pen. How about that? Jesus says there's something very special about us praying and lifting up our loved ones or our friends or people who are out there and maybe slipped away or they've never known the love of Jesus Christ. There's something very special about us saying to one another, let's agree that they're going to know the love of Christ. Let's do it. Instead of us going through our lives by ourselves going, man, I wish God would touch my friend. You know, I wish God would, would save my daughter, save my son. I wish God would do this. I wish God to grab another believer, get in a group, in your small group, or with your friend and go, can you agree with me? Because I believe with all my heart, God's will is that none should perish. Not one single person. That all should come to know him. Everyone. I am not willing to exclude anybody from that. Are you? I'm not willing to say that because of this person, that situation, and this, that person has been excluded from for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And there is some kind of power. I don't completely understand it, but there is something very special about us agreeing together. A church that's united and agreeing together, the presence of the Lord is going to come. He will honor that and I do believe the Lord answers our prayers when we agree with one another. 
There's something very special about that. James 5, 13 through 16 says it. Is anyone among you in trouble? Among you, right? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is any among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. There is no sin that cannot be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other. What if we just all of a sudden said, we're going to confess our sins this morning. Everybody would leave. (laughs) Maybe me too. I don't know. You know, but see, that's the work we have to do in the church. The work we have to do is to see the beauty of the unity and see that when we're with one another, there is power in that agreement to say, you, dear brother, dear sister, are forgiven. The blood of Jesus has cleansed you and made you whole. Now I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to call you this week. I'm going to see how you're doing. I'm going to be there for you. And the body is built up. There's something very special about agreeing together. Praying for one another. Agreeing, you know, for healing, for salvation, for reconciliation, for peace. I mean, I love when the disciples, after the resurrection, the disciples are locked up in the room, right? And, and as you read the whole narrative, they're scared. One of the things about Jesus showing up is peace. And the first, you know, what the first words out of his mouth, mine would be boo. But, you know, uh, <laughs> but you know, Jesus, you know, he goes, you know, peace be with you, you know. And, and uh, it's like when Jesus shows up in a group, even in a, like a sketchy place, you know, his first words are peace. Peace. And in this crazy place we live that God has planted us in to be a witness to his goodness we need a people of peace who live amongst everyone else and the church of of Jesus is that group and so we agree for that we agree and we there's power in that and when we need favor in the community or we need favor in a certain place to see something done that we believe is good and godly and healthy then we pray for that favor with people with the community with the leaders or wherever we are we can pray together and agree when there are needs for a family and friends and people in the church and in the community we can agree that those needs will be met when we want more influence for good in the community to be a blessing to our community we can agree on that and God begins opening the doors for us there's power There's something very special about agreeing together. And your third feeling is this. There is something special about worshiping together. There's something special about worshiping together. Colossians 3, 15 through 16 says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish who? One another. One another. We do this for each other. With all wisdom. How do we do it? Psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Isn't that amazing that we can actually encourage one another while we sing together? 
that that happens, that we are learning and encouraging and building one another up when we do that. I, I just, you don't have to be a musician to know that, right? Because if you enjoy music, you know that there's something there. Singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. You see, in the Old Testament, there was this temple and that's where God's people went to experience God. God manifested himself there in that temple. When the New Testament comes, when Jesus comes, now who's the temple? You are. That's exactly right. In 1 Corinthians, it says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God? Now get this. In Corinth, where that scripture was written, that city was full of of just pagan temples everywhere. Every corner there was, and it was a huge pagan temple, really bad in that city and and so Paul comes along and he tells this church now remember this is written to the church right not just the one person so yes you are a temple but you're part of a big temple the church and now Paul says with when the people walk through Corinth and they see all the pagan temples know this you are the temple of God with all the false temples and all the fake and the people worshiping here and worshiping there, when they see you, they see the temple of God. That is something very special because the temples where worship went on, it's where the sacrifices went on. You know, God has always had a singing, worshiping people. Every major revival that I've ever read about always had this element of worship and singing that was involved in it. And uh, when he says, let the message of Christ dwell among you, psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit, psalms, when, when he wrote that, that would, the Jewish people in the church that read that, that word psalm would cause them to go back to the, to the psalms of the Old Testament, and which was their hymn book, Israel's hymn book. And so when it said singing psalms, they would go, yes, we know those psalms. We grew up singing those psalms in the temple at the time. So sing those. Sing, and then when he said hymns, that's not our hymns like we think of. And I love our old hymns. Don't get me wrong, but that's not what he's talking about there. That word hymn refers more to the Gentiles. The Gentiles would have picked up on it. Jewish people would have picked up on the psalms when he said hymns, the Gentile people would have gone, that's the kind of songs we sing for our heroes who are coming back in from battle. That's the kind of songs we sang to our pagan gods. So it was more like a secular cultural uh, kind of comment that take that type of song too and give it to God. Give it in praise. Give that Jewish psalm, sing the psalms. And here, for you Gentiles who are in the church and you don't know anything about that, and all of you who are coming to Christ, you know, yeah, take those songs too. Turn it into praise unto God and sing those songs. And then he uses spiritual songs, which is basically saying any kind of music you can find, sing it to God. Okay, that's Tim's. Uh, like take all of it he covers it Jewish Gentile spiritual songs make sure they're spiritual songs make sure they're given to him there's something very special about the church when it worships like every revival every single revival has always had its songs something happens to you when you sing Let's be honest. You could be driving down the road and some dumb song will come on the radio and you start crying. You can own it. It's all right. I'm not going to ask you what that song is, but, you know, I, I, there is an old song that only probably 10 people in here will remember, but uh, it was a song by Farner years ago. I want to know what love is. 
And uh, yeah, and you know, one of Vineyard's guys took that song and turned it into a praise song and had that refrain, I want to know what love is. And he tagged it, David Roost did, and he brought it into the church. And there was, a, this has probably been 20 years ago I heard this. And I heard him say that a girl was riding down the road contemplating suicide when that song came on the radio and she pulled over to the side of the road and said, that's what I want to know. That's what I got. I have to know. I want to know what love is. And Christ just whoop, swept in and grabbed her heart even in that moment. And out of that, you know, that's a, that's a hymn taking the song, turning it, giving it to God, and going, bring your presence, Lord. Bring your presence. Bring it. So we sing. You know, I got a song I want you to hear. Can you cue, cue that song up? Listen to this. I'm waiting on you. Sing it up. Kanye West. That's his church service. Now I honestly have been praying for Kanye <laughs> since he thought he was Jesus and now he's, now he's realized he's not. Uh, and this morning Lord I pray right now as he has his church service I pray right now God you drop in your presence with him and you absolutely Lord I believe that you've made him yours. And I pray, God, you work through Kanye and you work through his influence, Lord. You keep him. Thank you. I thank you for this album, Lord. I thank you for the music. Thank you for this hymn, Lord. Thank you. Come and reclaim everything for your glory, Jesus. Everything. Every song. Every poem. Every good deed, Lord. Every act of love. Lord, we pray your presence right now. Would you come, Lord, here in this moment, now? Lord, heal hearts in here. Right now, folks who are barely hanging on, Lord, with their fingertips. Lord, I pray your beautiful presence would come. Come, Lord, come. Come. Come, Holy Spirit. Thanks for listening to the Seacoast Vineyard Podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and you can learn more about us by visiting seacoastvineyard.com. If you need prayer, you can call us or email care at seacoastvineyard.com. If you feel called to support us financially through a one-time or recurring gift, please click on the Give tab at our website or text any amount to 84321 and follow the prompts.